This is Patrick Henningsen, and you're listening to On the QT at 21wire.tv. Accessing confidential data. Welcome to On the QT at 21Wired.tv. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. Thanks for joining us this for this podcast. This is uh, free, uh, the first 30 minutes. The first part is free, and uh, and hope you enjoy it. Hope you like it. And uh, after the, uh, around the 30-minute mark, we're going to go for members and subscribers at 21Wired.tv for the final hour. Uh, So if you do like it and you do want to join, we do encourage Become a subscriber, help support our work at 21st Century Wire, and become a member at 21wire.tv. Now, this is this has been, I think, the U.S. election season. Uh, it's very busy in terms of news. There's uh, email dumps coming out uh, every day uh, for the last week uh, from WikiLeaks. Plus, you have all the other uh, current events and all the other geopolitics uh quite some serious things going on, especially in Iraq and also in Syria. And uh, keeping up with this, along with the economy and uh, with the other issues surrounding the U.S. election, uh, it's really quite a challenge to keep up. And uh, we've, you know, we're struggling, <laughs> to be honest. But what we're going to do today is we're going to boil down some of the important issues. And uh, r- right now we're looking at, uh, in the first part of the show, and then we'll go into more detail in the second part, but we'll we'll look at a couple of key uh, stories that are connected uh, with this election and the Clinton campaign. We'll talk about the Trump campaign as well, uh, and then we'll look at some of the WikiLeaks emails, and which I think are very underreported, especially in the U.S. media. They've almost ignored it, aside from a few media outlets. And uh, the more I read through some of these cables, uh, it becomes clear to me, at least in my lifetime, uh, this is the biggest corruption scandal in politics. Uh, and I remember even as a, as a very young child, Watergate, uh, or the aftermath of Watergate, um, hearing it on TV and everyone talking about it growing up uh, when I was four or five, six years old. And uh, that's a walk in the park. Um, that's a little bit of a game of racquetball uh, compared to what we're looking at here. So we're going to look into some of those in detail, it is incredible when you really get in and look at the scale and scope of this. Uh, I'll call it a syndicate uh, because this is exactly what it is. It's quite amazing, and I think everyone should know about it. doesn't matter what your bent is on the presidential election, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent or a Green. Um, it's important that you know uh, the contents of uh, these leaks and the issues that they represent. And they're all very real and very factual. Uh, so even if people don't like the sound of it, uh, in terms of preserving a constitutional republic or what some people refer to as a democracy in America, you can't, you can't claim to want to preserve and nurture that if you don't understand or you're shunning what's in these, these leaks. So we're going to cover some of those. We're also going to look at one of the candidates as well who's running uh, in Utah. Uh, as an independent, I believe his name's Evan McMullen. Uh, we're going to take a look at his profile, uh, and also we're going to just touch on Mosul and Syria and Raqqa. 
these are two ISIS strongholds, so-called, and uh, currently there's a raid on Mosul. We're going to look at a little detail of that, and then actually the U.S. are hoping to to basically leverage that in order to essentially steal a piece of Syria, uh, which is Raqqa, and use that for their purposes. Uh, and I believe they'll be doing this in conjunction with Turkey. So we will look at that, and this, obviously in the second hour for members, we'll go into more details with uh, quite a few uh, premium audio clips as well uh, from interviews to illustrate some of these points. But look, looking at the news, I mean, where do you start? And uh, th- I think the most important place to start is, I mean, the people have been warning Warning about an economic collapse um, ever since 2008. The system's unstable. The markets are unsustainable. The uh, stock market can't keep going up uh, forever. Uh, and a lot of people are worried. I'm speaking to people all the time with 501Ks, retirement pension funds, uh, their stock market index, and uh, they have taken a hit over the years uh, during various dips in the market. But let's just say for the average person, um, to be, to, you have, you might have one concern about this as an individual, and and it's going to affect millions and millions of people if there is a, a tremendous, uh, the bottom falls out of the markets. Let's say in the new year or after the presidential elections called, um, that's going to hurt individuals. It's going to basically, as the value of the market gets wiped out, it wipes out the assets and the retirement uh, value. Uh, that people have saved up in all these various uh, financial packages for retirement especially, but also people who have paid into it and who are still working as well. Uh, So their assets, their net worth is under attack. This is important. But for the institutions, for the people at Goldman Sachs, uh, for the investment bankers, for the hedge fund traders, and some of these other more unsavory uh, houses of ill repute, uh, in Wall Street and the city of London and further afield, um, uh, they're not upset at all if the bottom falls out of the market. In fact, uh, they're waiting for the bottom to fall out of the market because they've lined up all their deals and all the hedging that they're going to do uh, to make money off the crash. Because anybody who's in financial services will tell you, and I'm sure there's a few of you listening, uh, this is where you really make the money. Uh, is during a crash on the way down and on the way back up. So if the if you know if the the most amount of value gets wiped off the Dow Jones Industrial Average or the total volume of trading um, takes a serious hit, this is when all the real vultures come in and really know how to clean up basically. And we've seen this uh, many many times, and it will never change. And the problem is a lot of people who work in finance are so. Uh, devoid of any morals and, and ethics that they themselves, uh, in some cases, will s- conspire, at least between institutions as well. They'll conspire to drive that market down to accelerate that crash because they have their put options and their things laid on the side and their side bets and their bets upon bets, and then they have their insurance uh, as well uh, on their bets. And it's, it's a win-win situation, Okay. So, of course, the markets can't keep going up forever. So this is from Zero Hedge, and the uh, the headline is actually this is via John Rubino from DollarCollapse.com. But the boredom before the storm is the headline. And, uh, and basically it, it looks at some of the overriding factors here, and I think people need to take a look at a few things 
One of them, of course, is Brexit. That's at the top of the list, although I don't think that factors in as, as strongly as some people might think. In America, it's getting a lot more time. People who are actually following that story in Britain will realize that uh, the UK is not leaving the European Union. Okay, it's, It hasn't happened yet, and at the nearest, it's two years away, probably two and a half. So they're talking about uh, invoking Article 50 in March. And then there'll be a process of two years, a process of getting out. It's two and a half years from now. Okay, so you're looking at uh, 2019, the spring of 2019. That's when uh, Britain will be out. So that's not exactly going to create tremors in the market today. Okay, so we can cross that out. China's soaring debt, uh, that's something that is influential, absolutely. Um, but more influential is the amount of debt, U.S. debt, or T-bills and Treasury bills that are held by China, United States dollar uh, paper, held by China and kept by China. So in effect, China is subsidizing uh, the dollar and keeping it stable, if you will, floating. Uh, U.S., Russia, Chinese saber-rattling, uh, yeah, that's going to have some effect on the markets, uh, at least albeit in the short term. And then the unique U.S. presidential race, that will definitely trigger some major move in the market. Uh, especially a Trump victory. Uh, and a lot of people saying that could be a negative effect on the markets. I will beg to differ. I think it might actually create a surge in the markets because one of the key spokes of the Trump uh, reform package is lowering corporate tax to 15% in the United States. Now, how's Wall Street going to react to that? Probably pretty good. Um, that's probably going to bring good signals to Wall Street. In fact, uh, in terms of direct uh, reinvestment by uh, offshore U.S. firms back into the United States, you're looking at a, probably a net gain potentially there. So definitely there could be indicators for positive swing. So I don't know about the gloom and doom on some of these things that are debatable. Cyber attacks shutting down big parts of the U.S. Internet that happened this week. Uh, we covered that at 21stCenturyWire.com. And what a tremendous investigative article two-part article by Sean Helton. Uh, one of them was Soap of False Flag. That was the first article. And the second one was uh, the connection between Flashpoint, the firm, the so-called running PR and investigating this uh, cyber attack and their connections uh, with the inner workings of the establishment. So uh, I think we see the possibility of some sort of engineered crisis uh, in terms of cyber and of course the usual suspects are queuing up to blame that on Russia because uh, after all this is the go-to talking point in the United States for everything uh, Putin did it blame it on Russia uh, which is a shame but this shows you how low uh, the political culture and the media culture have sunk in the United States they've got no time to investigate or analyze anything they just hit the blame Russia button and uh, their job's done so I guess they're not blaming ISIS this, this year. In the last uh, few months, it's everything's Russia's fault. It used to be ISIS. Now it's Russia. Who knows who it'll be uh, in the new year? Maybe someone else. So, so they're saying here from Dollar Collapse, this is John Rubino, uh, you'd think that an unsettled world would be reflected in skittish financial markets. Instead, we're getting the opposite with stock price movements becoming more and more placid as the year goes on. The following chart uh, shows the volatility index and the S&P 500. So if you're au fait with some of these uh, terms and items, you'll, 
you'll be interested in this. You can go check this out at uh, dollarcollapse.com, the boredom before the storm. It's interesting, Um, but it also looks at some important fundamentals, and this is where we get into the conversation about the U.S. election. So the U.S. runs, check this out, a $107 billion budget deficit um, almost per month. So the U.S. is running in the red about $100 billion a month. Uh, well, at least in, in real terms, says the U.S. Treasury. Federal government uh, ran a budget deficit of $107 billion in August. These are the most recent available numbers from the U.S. Treasury Department. $43 billion more than August 2015. Now, that's the important bit. So basically, from the last year of the Obama White House, they're doubling the deficit um, each year. And the reason is uh, because the president's having to basically spend everything and the kitchen sink in the final year, so there's no problems, scandals, or leakage uh, during an election year because, after all, uh, all hands on deck. They need to get the next Democrat candidate in the White House. So to do that, they're basically running up the debt of the country. Well, that's what it looks like here anyway. So the government spent $338 billion last month, uh, and that's up 23% from the previous month. So you can see uh, in terms of an index on a graph, this is a steep hockey stick uh, going up over the last year. So what does it mean? It means that the current financial market uh, situation is no more sustainable than that of 2006, two years before the subprime mortgage collapse of 2008 that brought Lehman Brothers down and many other things in a domino effect with it. So we're seeing some of the same patterns and some of the uh, stats gurus are looking at some some of the behaviors of the market. Now, this is all subjective, uh, depending on many different factors. And of course, if you listen to different um, pundits, they'll tell you different things. But I think everyone's in agreement that the fundamentals of the markets, of the economy, uh, and the GDP, the debt ratio are not good. uh, And they're not sustainable. Um, They're sustainable for a finite period of time. And this, what the, what's the point here? The point is, no matter if Donald Trump wins uh, the presidential election in the U.S. or if Hillary Clinton wins, uh, we're still going to be faced with huge problems. In fact, insurmountable, in my opinion, uh, because you know each candidate has put forth uh, their idea or proposal for uh, fixing the economy, as it were, uh, getting people back to work, and so forth. Um, but we're talking about a budget deficit that is almost insurmountable. I mean, you'd have to go in and really slash and burn uh, policy in terms of uh, cutting uh, federal programs, departments, regulatory bodies, maybe entitlements, um, and things like that. There's some things that are untouchable pretty much. Uh, you won't be able to touch like Social Security uh, despite what the Democrat uh, pundits say, n- n- even the Republican can't mess with Social Security. So, But there's so many other big-ticket items. One of them, obviously, is the military. Donald Trump's talking up a bit rebuilding the military. We've already got a, a white budget of nearly $700 billion and a black budget of, I don't know, you can add a couple hundred more billion onto that, plus the CIA's budget might be a couple hundred billion. You're already up to a trillion right there. 
just with the DOD, the Pentagon, the CIA, and black budget projects, you're up to a trillion dollars. I mean, where Donald Trump's not going to cut any of that. He's surrounded by Dr. Strangelove generals. Uh, Hillary Clinton, she's already said what she's going to do. She's going to tax and she's going to spend. So the, the, what you're going to get with Hillary Clinton is the hockey stick that you see with Obama in terms of uh, monthly budget deficits up to now over $100 billion. Um, that's going to increase. And if you look at this, this is only, it hasn't been exponential, but it's been co- sort of a compound increase um, under the Obama, at least especially in the second term. It's just going up and up. So Hillary, uh, Hillary Clinton presidency, is, you're going to see the same thing. So this time next year, that figure for August in 2015 under Obama, $43 billion monthly budget deficit, now $107 billion in two hundred in uh, twenty sixteen, uh, Clinton twenty seventeen that August figure uh, at this present rate is probably going to be something like two hundred billion for the month of August. Let's just put that into perspective. There's some countries that is their annual G- GMP. Okay, and some decent sized countries. What does the United States? What are they spending this on? Where is, I mean, there's just money going out left, right, and center because all these politicians, especially traditionally a Democrat administration, will basically throw a lot of money around to basically buy support and to buy off the opposition. Obama did this with the stimulus package in uh, 2010, and uh, that wasn't just for Democrats. That was for Republicans, too. Everyone jumped on board and pinned on a little pork onto that, uh, including John McCain. In Arizona, I forgot what his parks or something. I don't know anything. Everyone just jumped in, added some uh, project or something for their local constituency onto the Obama's 2010 stimulus bill. What else was hidden in that was Operation Fast and Furious. That's right, the Department of Justice, uh, possibly in conjunction with uh, Janet Napolitano at the uh, Department of Homeland Security. That was Eric Holder's little baby to traffic uh, weapons. Uh, illegally into the hands of Mexican drug cartels. That was hidden within the 2010 stimulus bill. Go ahead and look it up. Of course, we covered that. I covered that myself many years ago. Um, But that's the kind of stuff that you can hide uh, in a $700 billion um, corporate welfare uh, payoff. And you just call that a stimulus, you see. So I think I'm pretty sure this is what Clinton will do because this is what they do full stop all the time. They don't really do anything else. Raise taxes, spend more. Donald Trump, I'm not sure if his plan is going to succeed in paying down the deficit. I would say it's going to be very difficult. Um, you know, Maybe he has a chance at growth and job growth. And just to give you a little peek into the wild, wicked world uh, of, the, of how governments lie to people, it's important that people understand this, okay? They're putting out unemployment figures out of the White House that are incredible, okay? Unbelievable. So unbelievable that no one would believe them. And I, th- I don't know, they they fudged the unemployment uh, percentage down to, I don't know, it's something ridiculous. They're saying it's like 4% or something. So who knows what planet they're living on. So just to explain how they game this, uh, listen to this clip. This is Edward Harrison from Boom Bust. 
Uh, this is a financial program on RT America. This is really important, too, because there's two things that your governments, whether you're in Britain or France or whether you're in the United States, of course, there's two things that your government will always lie to you about, and you need to know uh, as a voter or citizen what these two things are. There's two things that they always want to lie about. Most important lie to tell is the unemployment rate. Okay, they always want to fudge that down because nobody in power wants to dare own any reality of high unemployment. Okay, so they'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll do some sort of statistical uh, baking the report. Uh, they'll skew it in such a way and not count whole groups of people, hundreds of thousands, millions of people not even counted in that statistic uh, because of the way they've designed the parameters for uh, coming to that conclusion or whatever in terms of unemployment, there's many things. Ed Harrison will explain that in this segment. The other thing that they'll lie about is it generally is inflation. Uh, and we saw that in the last 15 years, uh, maybe the last 20 years. There's You can cook and game the consumer price index by not including certain things in there and including things that are pretty ridiculous and don't mean much, like a, toothbrushes and... Uh, sewing needles and uh, rubber bands and band-aids or whatever you should see some of the stuff in the cpi just go look it up see what the government uses for their consumer price index it doesn't include anything that you use a lot or the things that you're really paying through the nose for so for instance you know the they didn't count the huge jump uh, in fuel uh, especially in 2008 2009 um, and that was when the dollar i believe really took a a dip, uh, but oil prices just shot through the roof. I mean, per barrel, up toward upwards of $140 a barrel. You know, look at it where it's at now, and you can see how that would uh, translate the pump for four bucks, four bucks a gallon in Los Angeles. I remember driving through California in 08, spent a fortune on gas. That's not factored into the consumer price index, but yet that's raising the cost of goods and services, the cost of living. And everything, uh, utilities, electric, gas, uh, you, you'd be amazed what's not calculated into the government's official inflation rate. So we saw the cost of living soar over the last 15 years like no one's ever seen before, uh, post 9-11 especially. Uh, and so it's an artificial increase in the cost of living and the extraction of the value of the dollar. So at the same time, people's paychecks are worth less. They're being robbed through inflation. But this, when this inflation is not reported or not owned or admitted by the government, which in that case was the Bush administration, but Obama was at it as well uh, when he got in in, 20, in in 2008, 2009, same thing. But really bad under the Bush administration. So inflation and unemployment, two things that any government is not going to want to ever own up to, ever. And if Donald Trump becomes president, uh, if that happens, I would like to see if he is going to own those figures or he's going to cook the books like every other politician has done uh, in Washington most of the time. So, of course, they're not going to cook the books if there is real growth because they want to celebrate and, and uh, talk about it. So, But this is the game that's being played. So listen to, to understand unemployment, listen to this clip. Uh, this will get you to basically the ins and outs of it. Here we go. You've got, you know, this declining rate, yet the Fed is saying, look, we're near full employment. And, and that rhetoric is a little hard to digest. I mean, 
What do they mean by that? Yeah, so you know, they look at what's called the U3 rate, that's the headline rate of unemployment, but there are other rates of unemployment. The U6 rate is the broadest measure of unemployment, and the U6 rate basically counts people who are uh, not looking for a job full-time, also people who are part-time just for economic reasons, and that shows a huge spike up to 17% during the recession, and then now it's down at about 9.7%. Now, if you look at where we are today, that 9.7% number, that's actually the highest number, except for a brief period in 2003, since 1996. So what it says is, is that right now, the unemployment rate uh, broadly defined is the worst that it's been in 20 years, except for a brief period in 2003. So when you say full employment, to me, that doesn't seem like full employment at all, uh, whatsoever. So the concept that the United States is at full employment when we have the worst unemployment number for a broadly defined, this is a government statistic that just doesn't hold so water. So it's kind of an arbitrary marker that they've created. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have a falling labor force participation and we have a high broad level of, of unemployment, the U6 number. It says, I mean, 17 down to 10%, uh, that's still a huge uh, drop mm -hmm. during the Obama administration, but it's not full employment. And so overall, given what we know, given all the stats you just went through, what can we say about the economy and how it's faring right now? I would say that, you know, we're doing a lot better than we were uh, since 2008. Uh, if you look at the number for U6, it's obviously way down. We were almost cut in half. But in terms of labor force participation rate for men, especially men below the, uh, you know, who don't have a high school or any college, it's terrible. It's been declining, it's, you know, and it, it continues to decline. And then I would also say that uh, the U6 number is, is still the worst since uh, 1996. So overall, I would say that it's middling, but it's definitely not full employment. And, yeah, and how do you think that plays into the election, which is coming up in a couple of weeks? Do you think you know, the argument is being made and it's being made, uh, you know, in a, in a good that, way by, by Clinton. Is she doing her job I, I of convincing that people of that? The reason that Trump is resonating with some people is basically because of the of, of what the numbers that I'm showing. That it's not as good as the headline numbers will give you. Okay, we'll leave it there. Ed Harrison, thank you so much for that. We love hearing from you guys. Make sure you. Okay, so that's an excellent breakdown, and you know, I hope you understand uh, the concept after that. And uh, I know I don't. We don't do finance or economics uh, very much uh, on this podcast or the Sunday Wire, uh, just because the you know the geopolitics is the overriding um, issue, and I think it's you know that's going to shape uh, our our international world, our and our internal politics in, in a profound way. And this is why we cover cover it in so much detail in the way that we have, and I think we've done a great job doing that in this past year thanks to uh, some of our reporters especially Vanessa Bealey uh, and people we spoke to like Eva Bartlett and many others so but uh, with regards to Syria but you know the economics and the economy and the sort of inner workings of the political machines um, become more relevant uh, in election years now in Britain it's a very short uh, general election cycle you're talking about a campaign uh, five, six weeks, really intense, and then it's over. In the United States, it, it, the, the presidential election is really a two-year process, and that's, that's a shame. It's a shame uh, because I, I believe it's, it's too long, uh, it's too detailed, uh, it's too expensive, but in a sense, it's become a real 
non-profit center for the mainstream media. Uh, they've used it to generate income, and uh, it, it's turned into quite a dirty circus, circus as well. It's th- This is the most underhanded, dirty, negative election uh, maybe in the history of the United States of America. Uh, it's really bad, and I don't think it's going to do the country much good by the time it's over, but it is what it is. So, but anyway, so we, we, you know, we don't do a lot of economics and finance, but when we do, we try to do a good job with it. Now, what we're going to get to after the, uh, the first 30 minutes, um, is really important. And one of those things is we're going to look into, we're going to break down, uh, some of the issues with these emails, uh, from WikiLeaks with the Clinton campaign. And we're going to look very closely at the Clinton campaign because, um, quite frankly, because the mainstream media is not looking at it very closely. So we're going to have a close look at it, see what we're looking at. We're also going to look at this. A lot of people don't realize the CIA um, appears to have put up a candidate for president. Uh, He's running in Utah as an independent. It's a former CIA operative named Evan McMullen, who is uh, marketing himself as an independent conservative. um, And he's polling really well. He could steal the state from Donald Trump, and that would effectively, that could be the margin Hillary Clinton needs uh, to get in. Now, why is that strange, or what's the connection there? Well, this CIA agent or operative is also ex-Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is one of the big donors to the Clinton campaign and the Clinton Global Initiative. Uh, And this guy, I believe, is also being backed by Mitt Romney, and Mitt Romney is also a big recipient of Goldman Sachs campaign contributions, and has an interesting investment relationship with Goldman Sachs, too, the main beneficiary of the banker bailout in 2008. We're going to look at that and uh, a few other things as well. But we're also, we're also going to talk about uh, the accusation about the Clinton campaign, Hillary Clinton herself, accusing Russia of basically running the WikiLeaks email hack. And everybody's repeating it on the media. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, no evidence has been presented. We might even do a special show just on this subject. In fact, I think we will. Uh, maybe, hopefully, after the Sunday Wire this weekend. Just on the Russian hack. And let's look at what's really there, if there's anything there. And debunk it, if we need to. And we might even do it on air on the Sunday Wire. But um, So we're going to look at that. We're going to look inside. We've got some uh, media coverage and... With regards to the Mosul raid, which is completely stage managed, and also Raqqa uh, in Syria. So the U.S. have got their dirty little paws uh, in Syria, and uh, I don't think anything good's going to come out of that, not for the Syrian people anyway. Uh, so we're going to look at that too, and we're going to ba- break down the whole syndicate of corruption in, in, in its detail and put it into perspective so people know exactly, uh, exactly what you're looking at. We're going to do that in detail. Uh, in this second part of this show. Now, this is the first 30 minutes. This is uh, free. Uh, please share it. Please like it on social media. We're glad if you do. If you like it and you really want to see the rest, join us on the other side, uh, which will be for subscribers and members at 21wire.tv. Uh, lots of benefits for members. You can go check out 21wire.tv. Just click on it right now and see what you need to do to join up. We'd love to have you. And so we'll see you on the other side. I'm Patrick Henningsen. This is On the QT.
Tune in Sundays at noon Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time for the Sunday Wire for three hours of action-packed talk radio on 21stCenturyWire.com and AlternateCurrentRadio.com. Oh, 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 oh,